Before we get started in the podcast, I want to take a second and thank you so much for listening. I also want to tell you that my purpose each time I record is to try and bring you God's Word in a way that makes it interesting and a little easier to understand. I know your time is valuable, so let's get started. Thanks a ton for joining me today. I want to start today's message by telling you about a teacher that had was spending some time at the beginning of the year getting to know her first graders a little bit. So she started making small talk with them just to kind of put them at ease. She asked one little girl, what are you going to be when you grow up? And the little girl said, I want to be just like my mom and dad. I want to be tired. Evidently, she had a pretty good grasp on the truth. The truth that most of us have grown up to become, well, (laughs) tired. We're all tired, most of us. Most of us work long hours at our jobs just trying to make the ends meet, right? Or, or trying to climb that mountain that we've been told we're supposed to climb. And for those of us that aren't working, we're, my guess is that we're running a thousand miles an hour going in a hundred different directions trying to get everything done that we're supposed to get done. It's like one of those twisting, turning fair rides. The only difference is, is we can't get off. There's no, there's no stop. There's, we, we can't get off the ride and go home and rest. And to be completely honest, that's all our kids know. That's, that's what they think they have to look forward to, being tired. That's a hard way to live, isn't it? Having nothing to look forward to except being tired. I think that's where a lot of our spiritual depression comes from as well. We're so wrapped up in the world's expectations of us trying to be what the world thinks we should be as Christians that our outlook has become that this is the best it's ever going to be. Which brings me to the reason that I wanted to bring you this message. I want you to know that if you're a believer, if you're a true believer in Christ, I got great news for you. Or, or I guess I should say the Bible has great news for you. The Bible says that if you are a believer in Christ, God's rest is on its way. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to hang out for the most part in this message in Hebrews 4. And Hebrews 4 is where the Bible says that the believer is promised God's rest. Now the first verse says this in, in, in chapter 4. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. But then he goes on to say this, So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Now we're going to go deeper into it over the next couple of podcasts, the next couple of messages. But the message from the author of Hebrews can't get any clearer than that. That's a pretty straightforward message, isn't it? The author is telling his audience not to worry about the rest that God promised his chosen ones. He's saying that promise still stands to today. He's telling them that what they need to do, instead of worrying about whether or not God's promise will come true, 
is they need to worry about doing something that would cause them to miss it or not be able to get in. Now, as you know, or you probably know, we don't really know who the author of the book of Hebrews was. Most people will tell you that it was probably Paul. A, because he wrote most of the two-thirds of the New Testament, and B, that the writing is very similar to the other books that he wrote. But one thing we can be sure of is that most scholars believe that the original audience for that book were the Jews, and that during that time period that this book was written, they were going through an incredible amount of persecution. So much persecution, in fact, that they thought they had missed God's rest. They thought they had failed to reach God's promised blessings. But the author of Hebrews tells his audience, which, by the way, would include you and I today, don't think that. Your life is hard right now. You're going through a lot of stuff in your life right now, but don't for one minute think that you've missed God's wonderful plan for your life. Don't you dare lose hope. Instead, trust God to be true to his word. And if you have ever been sure of anything before, be sure of God's rest and that it's still there and it's still available to us. And be certain that if you're a born-again Christian and you're living your life based on God's commandments, you are sure to enter it. Be confident that right now, right this very minute, you are on the way to the glorious future that God has for you. You see, I believe the rest that he talked about in that verse is the rest that comes when Jesus returns to set up his kingdom. Until then, this temporary home of ours, these bodies that we're in and this earth that we're on, is in constant turmoil. The Bible says there are wars and rumors of wars and unrest everywhere we turn. Does the Bible say that God's people are excluded from the turmoil or pain? Does it say that because we believe in God that we won't have to experience the trouble or the persecution or the heartaches? It doesn't say that, does it? In fact, the Son of God tells us just the opposite. But listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah about what will happen when Jesus comes back. Beginning in the sixth verse in chapter 11, it says this, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf all together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze together. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the winged child shall put his hand on the adder's den, or the venomous snake's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So I got to ask you, does that sound like turmoil, or does that sound like rest and peace unlike anything we've ever seen in our lifetimes? See, when Jesus comes to reign on this earth, there will be rest. 
there will be a peace that passes all understanding. In fact, the verse tells us that there will be a peace unlike anything we've ever witnessed. As sure as I believe, Genesis 1, as sure as I believe that God created the heavens and the earth, I believe the scripture that I just read to you. That's why I'm talking to you about this. Because I want to try to make sure that you not only believe it, but that your faith is so strong that you're actually looking forward to it. What does the Bible say faith is? It says faith shows the reality of what we hope for. And it is the evidence or the conviction of things that we cannot see. So don't just hope for the rest that God promised you. I want you to be sure of it. Listen to me closely. You are right now in the process of entering into that rest. Hebrews 4.2 says, For this good news, that God has prepared this rest, has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Now we all know the story. Moses and the Israelites heard the good news of the promised land, but they couldn't enter it, right? But here's, here's the question. Why couldn't they enter it? What was the reason God would not let them enter? He didn't let them enter, not because they had cried and complained and made an idol or worshiped the idol, like none of that. He didn't let them in because they didn't have faith. They didn't believe. So we have all read those verses in the Bible. We have all heard the good news of Christ's coming kingdom and of God's rest, correct? The questions we have to ask ourselves is, do we believe it or not? Hebrews 4.3, the, the, the beginning of that verse says, For we, and I, I put this in bold in my notes, For we who have believed enter the rest. Now, the verb for enter here has the idea of continuous action. So what it means, what it's saying is, we who have believed are in the process of entering into the rest or entering that rest. It's like God is saying to those believers who, who are suffering, don't give up. Do not stop believing. Just because times are hard, just because you're going through persecution, unlike anything you've ever seen, you're almost there. Don't stop believing in me. Jesus is coming soon. And when he does, the born-again Christians that have lived their lives based on God's promises will rule and reign with him in his kingdom. But the Bible clearly tells us that you have to believe the good news in order to make it. Now, I want to put this in here. It, it's not in my notes, but I want to say this. It's not enough that you just believe. That's the minimum. Because if you believe in Genesis 1, then you also believe all the other stuff that comes after it that tells us how to live. So if you have put your trust in Christ and you believe that Jesus died for you, and that, that he rose from the grave, and that he is coming again, and you're living your life according to what the Bible lays it out, 
then you are right now in the process of entering God's rest. Listen to me. There is absolutely, other than you turning your back and walking away, there is nothing that can stop you from entering that rest. Not adversity, not the persecution you're going through, not even death. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that absolutely nothing can separate us from God's love. However, if you don't believe the good news, if you don't have faith in God's promises, if you don't believe and are not doing the things that God has laid out for us to do as Christians, the Bible clearly says that you will not enter God's rest. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you've gone through, no matter how many good things you've done on this earth, you're not getting in. Listen to what it says at the end of four three, chapter 4, verse 3. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they, meaning unbelieving Israel, shall not enter that rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the earth. God rested on the seventh day, but the unbelieving Israelites could find no rest, and they were his chosen people. But they refused to believe the good news about the promised land. Then after God rebuked them for their unbelief, they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years until that entire generation died off. Now stop for a second and think about the darkest times of your life. It may or may not have been your fault. It may or may not have been something you chose to do. But your faith was at an all-time low. Like I want you to think about a, a, a moment in time, it could be now or it could have been years ago, but a moment in time when your faith was at an all-time low and you couldn't see or feel or hear God and you just didn't know if your faith was strong enough to pull you through. You couldn't believe that there was any way out of whatever it is you were going through and nothing you did brought you any relief from that pain. See, if you'd have stayed on that road Unbelief or a lack of faith in God's promises is just like that in that it can keep you from entering into God's rest. You know the further you go backwards, the, the harder it is for you to see a way out, the harder it is for you to put one foot in front of the next. But for those of you who do believe, who understand and believe, there is absolutely nothing that can stop you except for you. You are right now in the process of entering into that rest. I want to tell you a story real quick about a 12-year-old girl, a, a true story, in fact. The little girl and her mom signed the little girl up for a 5K race. Now, I'm told, if, if you knew me, you if you know me and you've seen me, you know I have no idea what a 5K race is, but I'm told it's 3.1 miles. Now, she was so worried about being late and not being there for the start, she got there 15 minutes early, and there were already people standing there. Well, the gun went off, and they took off, and she took off with them. Now, like most long-distance runners, the young lady didn't look around and she wasn't paying attention to what was going on around her. She was paying attention to putting one foot in front of the next. She was so focused, in fact, that she didn't realize until about mile four 
that the finish line was nowhere in sight. So she turned to another runner and she asked them, how much further is the finish line? And in that moment is when she found out she was running in a half marathon. A half marathon, I'm told, is 13.1 miles instead of the 3.1 miles she thought she was running. Instead of dropping out, the, the little girl kept running. Now, her mother had dropped her off, and her mother was frantically searching for her, actually got the police involved, and the police found her running, and they told her that her mother was waiting for her, looking for her, and she just gave them the thumbs up. So they went back and told her mom that she's fine. She's running the race. Now, when her mom found her, she had a medal hanging around her neck. She had completed the race. Out of 2,111 finishers, this little girl who thought she was running a 3.1 mile race finished 1,885th. She also turned out to be one of the youngest runners to have ever competed in that half marathon. Now, I told you that story to ask you this. Like, does your race seem longer than it should have been or more difficult than you thought it was going to be. When you became a Christian, did you think that life was going to be so much better? Is this race, is the race that you're running right now something you don't believe that you signed up for? Listen to me. Don't you dare quit running. You are getting near to the finish line. Listen to what Paul said about the race in 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. But he goes on to say, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. If you are a believer, if you are living your life according to how the Bible says you are to live your life, you are right now in the process of entering God's rest. I want you to stop for a second and think about how wonderful that rest will be. There is a coming a day when all your troubles will cease to exist. A day when all the hardships that you and your family have gone through will end. A day when you will live in the presence of the Almighty God and you will be able to enjoy your life forever. It says at the end of Hebrews 3 that this rest has been ready since he made the world. The Bible tells us that God rested on the seventh day of creation, right? Genesis 2, 2 and 3 says this, By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, if it wasn't possible to enter into God's rest, God wouldn't still be talking about it thousands of years later, even though Israel refused to go into it. The good news for you and I is that when Israel refused to enter into God's rest in 1500 BC, God didn't shut and lock the door. He didn't give up on humanity. He didn't give up on you and I. 500 years later, in the 95th Psalm, God spoke through David of yet another opportunity to enter into his rest because Israel hadn't found it yet. 
Now, I'm not going to read that to you, but I want to tell you what Hebrews 4.8 says. It says, now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, them being the Israelites, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. Now, when Joshua led his generation of Israelites into the promised land, they expected to find God's rest there. They expected to find rest from the hardships of the wilderness. They expected to find rest from their enemies. But Joshua couldn't give them that rest. Soon after his death, the Bible says that their enemies attacked them again and again and again. Later, Assyria and then Babylon destroyed their cities and carried them away as captives. Doesn't sound like rest, does it? Now, at the time of the writing in the book of Hebrews, Rome was again oppressing the Jewish people, persecuting the Jewish people. There has never been rest in the promised land, even to this very day. Joshua didn't give it to them. But there is coming a day when Jesus will bring that rest to the rest of us. When Jesus returns, he will rule the world from the throne of David of Israel. And when that happens, he will bring the rest that they have been looking for now for over 3,500 years. Hebrews 4, 9, and 10 says, So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. There is coming a day when every believer will rest from their labors. They will rest from the toil and from the pain of this age. I truly believe that the best is yet to be for every believer. So please, not for one minute, let your current pain block your view of God's promised rest. Don't for a minute lose your hope in the future God has planned for you. So many people have given up hope of reaching that promised land. Or maybe they've allowed the world to jade them so much that they don't believe they're even worthy of God's love. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, don't you give up hope. Satan wants you to give up hope. Instead, be certain that God has a great future ahead for you. Be sure of God's rest. I want to point out what it says, though, in the 11th verse. It says, let us therefore strive and do our best to enter that rest so that no one may fall by some sort of disobedience. Now, the disobedience the author is referring to here is unbelief. It refers to Israel's unbelief and therefore their refusal to enter into the promised land as God commanded them to do. After all that God had done for them, unbelief kept them from God's rest. And unbelief can keep you from God's rest as well. You see, true faith always demonstrates itself in obedience. So as a Christian, as a true believer, if you're living your life in clear disobedience of God's word, it has to be that you don't believe what it says. Does that make sense? If that's the case, I'm asking you to examine your heart to make sure. Don't count on a religious experience you had when you were eight. Don't count on that trip you made to the altar when you were eight years old. You make sure, you strive to make sure 
that you're counting on Christ and Him alone for your salvation. Don't lie to yourself. Don't pretend. You need to make sure, because I'm telling you, the Bible says very clearly that judgment day will be too late. There will be no backing up at that point. You won't get a do-over. There are a lot of people that are not being honest with themselves about this. And I, I was one of them for a long time. You had that religious experience, right? Maybe you even felt the finger of God. But there's been no real change in your life. Repentance is a change. And if that's the case, I don't want you lying to yourself. Don't claim to be a believer and think you're going to heaven. You have to deliberately turn to Jesus and trust him to save you from your sin. Call upon the Lord. Ask him to change your life and make you fit for the kingdom. See, that's true faith. So make sure your faith is real. Make sure you're a true believer. And if you're not so sure, if you, if you have doubts in your own mind, if your faith is weak, please open God's word. Please go see someone that can share God's word with you, not to be condemned, not to be looked down on, not to be judged, but that can bring you the word of God and share that word with you so that you can open up your heart and ask God to examine what's in your heart. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says this, For the word of God is living and active, and it says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. God's word slices to the heart of the matter. And God knows what's in mind in your heart. So open his word and ask God to reveal to you what's going on on the inside. I can't explain to you how God's word comes alive and touches you where nothing else can touch. But I'm telling you it does. When you look deeply into God's word, you will see yourself in there. You will see people in there just like you. People who pursue faith and hope in God. People who battle depression. People who doubt themselves and doubt God. People full of lust and pride. Believers and unbelievers alike. The Bible is full of them. The truth in God's word will begin to reveal to you what's in your heart. I want to end by asking you a couple of questions. Are you tired of the life you're living these days? Are you like the little girl that I spoke of in the beginning? Are you tired? Are you almost ready to give up? I'm begging you. Please don't lose your hope and don't lose your faith. Instead, be sure of God's rest. And if you're not sure, strive to be sure of that rest. Open God's word. Allow God to examine your heart to make sure you have truly trusted Christ as your Savior. Because I need you to know that if you're a believer, a true believer, then your best days are still ahead of you. And that feeling of being on a nonstop roller coaster ride that, that is pure misery is coming to an end. 
Jesus is coming back, and when he does, when we see his face, the trials and tribulations that we're going through right now will seem so small. So listen, you set your mind to bravely run this race we call life. Because one glimpse of his dear face, it will all be worth it. Thank you and God bless you.